Hi. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> My name is Dr. Christy Morgan, and I am the Arizona Director for Candle Wishes in Phoenix, Arizona. My name is Jenny Williams. I'm the Founder and Executive Director of the Candle Wishes Foundation. I just really felt this burden come over me for these kids. Children mean a lot. Um, you never want a child to grow up feeling like they're not loved. God put this on my heart to want to give these children happy birthdays. This foundation just touched my heart, so I knew that this was something that I needed to do. Okay, y'all, I'm not gonna ugly cry. This is terrible. There was a time in our life where we struggled. Um, there was a time in our life where we lived paycheck to paycheck. One time when we first moved down to Phoenix, a friend of ours, even at Christmas time, paid for my son to have a picture. <laughs> paid to have a picture of our son sitting on Santa's lap and I couldn't afford it because we had just moved across the country. And so, <clears throat> that's always stuck with me. If you would love to sponsor a child, if you would like to throw a birthday party, if you would like to just volunteer, we need your help. Reach out to us so that we can connect and, um, and make our community a better place. And hey, good morning. Welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I am Ken Walls and I'm your host and I am... I'm over the moon excited about who I have on today. Um, let me say first, um, let me plug the Candle Wishes Foundation. Make sure that y'all go to, um, after the show, go look up the Candle Wishes Foundation with um, in, in Arizona and follow that because it's, it's an amazing organization that helps underprivileged children have birthday parties. It's, it's incredible ran by my friend, Dr. Christy Morgan. So um, without any more about all that, I got to tell you that, um, you know, I've been in sales for the better part of um, 30 years-ish, <laughs> I'd say. And um, I got my comeuppance from a man named Mr. Zig Ziglar. That's where I started learning um, about how to be a professional salesperson and um, as I dug a little deeper into his messages, I started learning how to be a better person. Um, and, and that's what his, his life was about and his ministry was about. And, and today, I have the unbelievable, I mean absolutely unbelievable um, blessing and opportunity to introduce all of you to my good friend, <clears throat> Excuse me, the daughter of Zig Ziglar, Miss Julie Ziglar Norman. Julie, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ken. I'm excited to be here, ready for a good time. <laughs> You're always ready for a good time. That's what I love about <laughs> you. So, so you know, I, I um, after an introduction like that, um, I, I, you know, you you got a lot to live up to now. <laughs> I'm kidding, but you're an amazing lady and, and we've recently become friends in the last month or so and and um and I, I'm just like I'm I'm blown away by your wisdom, by your joy, your happiness, your energy, everything about you is amazing. And and I wanna share with the rest of the world your story. I know you just flew in last night. You were traveling about the country for the last week or something like that, right? Speak, uh, yeah. doing, doing speaking engagements. So, so tell tell everybody, you know, first where you were born and raised. All righty, I was born and raised in Columbia, South Carolina. Daddy had gone to the University of South Carolina. The Navy sent him there because he was going to be a uh, pilot, and they liked to educate him first. So <laughs> when when he quit, um, well, the war was over, but they continued to let him go to school. And so when he married my mom, they moved to Columbia, South Carolina. She joined him there while he continued in college. Okay. And while they yeah. were there, they were struggling and... And that's when dad saw the ad for they needed a salesman who would make 
oh, it was a whole bunch of money compared to what he was making selling sandwiches at the dorm. So that kind of was the touchstone place. And daddy, mom and dad moved back and forth to Columbia. And I was born there. My brother Tom was born there. Um, it was home base. But I spent more years in Columbia than any other place till we moved to Dallas. Okay. And so, would you mind, could you turn your volume your speakers down a little bit? I'm getting, oh, yeah. I'm getting a lot of feedback. I think that's what it yeah. is. Perfect. And if you still get it, I can go to my microphone oh, and no, headset. I think we're good as long as, yeah, okay. I think we're good. Is that better? Yep, it is. Thank you. Um, so, so you, you spent your time in Columbia, South Carolina. And, and so yes. is that where you went to school in high school or? Oh, no. Oh. We moved to Dallas when I was 13 and I was going into eighth grade. Oh. But I had been, uh, I started school in Stone Mountain, Georgia. And halfway through the first year, Daddy moved us to West Columbia. And oh. yeah. So I didn't quite make it out of first grade. I had to go to summer school because couldn't read. <laughs> and then the next year, they went ahead and put me in private school so I could have extra help. Wow. Yeah, in wow. in Columbia, we moved to Columbia that summer. Okay. So and okay. I was there till I was thirteen. So grades uh, two through seven, I was there. And then you ended up in Dallas. I'm still, getting, I'm still getting a lot of feedback all of a sudden. That's okay. so strange. Let me see if we can. Let's do this. Let me see about plugging you in this way. <laughs> okay. What are, you, what are you plugging in? I'm just going to plug in this other microphone. I got you. Okay. Okay. And I'm let's see how that goes. This is our radio setup. Oh, there. Wow. Wow, that's that's unbelievable. Is that way better? Oh my gosh, sounds better than mine. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's perfect. Should have started with that. That's awesome. Wow. Thanks. Uh, yeah. So so um. Wow, that's night and day different. So okay, so you were in. So you you ended up in in Dallas at thirteen years old, and and. So what was that like? So you're, and and by the way, at this point, what was what was your dad's career? Had he started the 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 sales training, authoring, motivational stuff at that point, or was he still in sales? Oh, he was he was he had been speaking every chance he got, and he was being paid to speak some. I'm he he was training he. He got invited to Dallas to work for a company that wanted him to do their sales training for two days. I got it. And, I mean, two days a week, just Monday, Tuesday. And they said, Zig, you can do whatever you want the rest of the week. You can go build your speaking career. So it was a perfect opportunity because we had, uh, I believe we had health insurance and he had a salary and and he had that freedom to go speak. And it was during that time that he met Mary Kay Ash. He uh ended up in a few years writing his book. Right. So he was really able to grow it. Now that company, uh, they only lasted about three years. They had one of those products that you add to your gas tank to make your fuel go further. Yeah. And, and it was called API Automotive Performance Incorporated. Okay. It was a real blessing to dad. Met a lot of wonderful people there. But it was a hard move. For the kids, because I had just, I mean, I turned 13 the day we left. Uh, the day, yeah, the day we left. And I had been on student council at my school that I was going to. I had uh, had to run for that office and campaign. And so, you know, I was pretty, I was really involved in school and I knew a lot of people well. So it was a tough move for me, for yeah. my sister Cindy. Uh, in South Carolina, you at that time could get your driver's license when you're 14, and you could dr drive from dawn to dusk. And when we moved here, Cindy had already been driving uh, over a year, almost two years actually. But because she hadn't had the state of Texas required driver's ed, yeah, they took her license. 
and she had to go through that class and then wait to turn 16 before she could drive again. So it was an insult (laughs) to her integrity. (laughs) She was not happy about that. Poor Cindy. She's still walking around with that resentment, isn't she? (laughs) No, I think she got over it. I know. It was hard. It was a hard adjustment for us. It's the only thing Dad said that if he had known the price we would pay for that choice, he would not have done it. Wow. He would not have moved us at those ages. The only thing I've ever heard him say he wished he... Hadn't done other than one other thing we'll probably get into later. So, uh, yeah. and, and Cindy is on the stream, by the way, watching. And, and for anybody who's already shared this out, thank you so much. Please continue to share this because you're going to be blown away by this woman's story, I promise you. So, um, so, so, and so don't be selfish. Share it out. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just kidding. So, so. Um, so here you are, 13, and it sounds like Cindy's a year older than you then? She's a couple of years oh, older than me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, she was two years ahead. What's that? She was two years ahead of me in school. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, so, and, and what, so how many kids were there? There were four of us. My oldest sister, Susie, she was six years older than me, and we lost her to pulmonary fibrosis. Uh-huh. In 1995, she had just turned 46 years old. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah. And then, yeah, it was and, tough. And then you have Tom. Yeah, and Tom is under me by nine and a half years. Okay. Yeah. So Tom's mm-hmm. the baby? He's the baby boy. Okay. And Mama always said she knew he was a gift from God because she didn't ask for him. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise! That's all. That's so funny. That's funny. So, so, so y'all were, so you, uh, like all four kids, you were all, you were in Texas now, in Dallas, Texas. Yes. Yes. My older sister was there too. So what was it like for you when, once you got to Texas? What, what did life turn into? Oh, it fell apart, fell apart. My, our horses, we've been horse kids coming up. Our horses uh, did not make the trip immediately. And when some, we did find somebody to haul him, that's when I was told that my horse was not coming because he was too old to make the trip. Uh, and I, and he was over 30. Uh, but I, I mean, I was 13. And when I told him goodbye, I told him I would see him soon. And I love, you know, all that. So I really, it was devastating to me. And though so they bought me another horse, that's been a, a pain, painful. It was very painful, yeah. you know, because they're, I, I'm sure had I been told he was too old to safely make the trip, I would have accepted it, but I also would have gotten to say goodbye. So that was, that was really hard on my 13 year old heart. Yeah. And then I didn't fit in at school. South Carolina was real laid back and slow compared to what was going on in Dallas, whole different world, different clothes. I had a, really strong South Carolina accent and I was teased about it and I ended up being bullied and rumors started and it just got me I didn't I was shunned pretty much is what I'd say so it was hard wow so here here you are in and and this just to give this the the audience some perspective you are being raised by um, the godfather of motivation and 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 sales training. You're 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 being raised by this this unbelievable man, but yet at school you're going through through stuff like that. And your in your thirteen fourteen year old mind and heart, you're going through all this this pain and turmoil and everything else. It was dark. It was dark for Cindy too. It was just so hard to make that transition and to not have the friends we'd have and to be shunned. Cindy made some good girlfriends over time, and I just, I just didn't. Wow. So it was, it was just a tough transition. So, yeah. so you ended up, um, in, in, does that, did you graduate high school down there in Dallas? I did. I arranged my schedule so that I could graduate ASAP because I was so miserable in school. 
because of the rumors that were started about me. Wow. And uh, because of those rumors that were started about me, it, it was a battle, you know, every time I had a date. And eventually I, gave, I, I got involved with the wrong group because they were the only ones willing to be a part of my life. Right. And I ended up earning the reputation I'd been given. So there I was, humiliated, embarrassed, ashamed, had a father uh, who I never wanted to embarrass, whose integrity, you know, I tried to protect. At that point, he wasn't as popular or as well-known as he became. Right. When I was a, he really didn't get a big, big kickoff till probably 18 or so. I wow. was 18. I was already out of high school. But, yeah, I graduated from high school a year early and was really glad I did. I went to night school couple of nights a week to get my last hour of credit and I worked full-time in a ladies boutique and then I did graduate with my class and I didn't want to but mom and dad wanted me to and sure enough I was harassed I was the last one I was the last one to graduate and I was threatened if I didn't throw my cap and what are you doing here we haven't seen you all year and you know it's just tough wow yeah, there were a few people who were who were really kind to me, but yeah. it was ones who were outspoken were really outspoken. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just say I've never been to a high school reunion yet. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just because I think there are just not any too many good memories right. that go back to school for me. And that's okay. I don't have any I don't have any resentments. Right. Uh the the girl who started the rumor about me. I ran into her in the halls about my junior year, and I just said, you know, it's really a shame. I believe if you'd ever gotten to know me, you would have liked me. Wow. You would have liked me. Wow. That's heartbreaking. She'd probably forgotten what she did at that point because it was like four years after the fact. But, yeah. So I was totally changed by one rumor. Wow, that's unreal. Yeah, yeah. That's, wow. We we definitely, um, you know, we teach our our daughters to, I I mean, that's hard. I mean, we we try to teach them that, you know, they're just people in this world that are, are, that's about them. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's about them. And, and, you know. So, so did you end up going to college then? I did. Okay. Uh, Dad made me take off of work the summer between what should have been my senior year and when I was going to start college, because uh, I'd always worked since I was fourteen. Yeah. And it was fun. That was really fun. Got up early, rode my horse for it got hot. Came home, played tennis for it got too hot, and then I spent my afternoon in the pool. And first <laughs> week, I went out every night. And after that, Dad said it wasn't so I could go out every night. <laughs> so, I didn't get to go out every night, but I got to have fun every day. And I went to a junior college, and I was a PE major at that point, <clears throat> studying. <clears throat> sorry, kinesiology. Oh, nice. And I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I love kinesiology myself. <clears throat> then I met my hus- first husband at a horse show because I was horse showing a great deal. And he asked me if I would ride some of his horses because he was a cowboy and I rode hunter jumper and was very flattered. And he looked like the Marlboro man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he was smooth. <laughs> Okay. Wow. That does not sound like it ended well for some reason. <laughs> no. Well, he was, he was a horse trader, and um, let's just say I was horse traded, and it was oh, not a good Lord. trade. Not oh, a good trade. Wow. And he, he had a, a tendency to exaggerate and understate uh, things, and he understated his age by several years, and I didn't find out till we got her marriage license that he was 18 years older than me oh lord have mercy and i was young enough at 18 to think that i thought i loved him when i thought he was 30 so what's the difference in you know six more years right so yeah 
And uh, before I even married him, I told my sister Cindy that it wouldn't. I knew it wouldn't work, but I didn't know how not to marry him. Oh my goodness! I, I, yeah, I, I've been threatened a lot, and wow, it was just not a good situation at all. But I married him because I honestly didn't know how how not to. Wow. So, mm-hmm. um, so that doesn't sound like it went very well. So, um, I, but I mean, was was there any good in it? Did you learn anything? Oh yeah, from the whole there thing? was there was great. You know, I mean, I don't want to say I wasn't crazy in love with him to start with because I really, really was. Yeah. But I, even though I was, and I, I think I was even somewhat addicted to him, um, or the hold he had on me, or I don't, I didn't understand it. I was too young. Yeah. But what I, what I did know was that I, I did everything I could to try and make it work, and I got a beautiful daughter about two years, little over two years in. I had my, my daughter uh, Amanda. She goes by Amy now, and she's been the greatest. Uh, kid ever and just she's just a wonderful uh, she's she probably saved my life actually because I was in a pretty good downward spiral uh, wow. when we when we divorced and she gave me a reason to keep on keeping on she really did wow and so so all the while now as as you're going like how, so you ha- how old were you when you had her I was just about uh, eight days from being or 10 days from being 21. Okay. So, so as, as like, and you said your, your dad's, um, career and, and becoming famous and well-known kind of was hitting his stride when you were about 18 or so. Right. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. so here you are a few years later, he's obviously now he's starting to really hit his stride. Right. Yes. Or as he as he would have said, now he's really starting to hit his stride. <laughs> I yeah. I can't do it like you. Like, but he would. I love the way he dress, and you do that once in a while too. Um, but so so, he was really starting to get into it, and 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 you're in this marriage that you're not absolutely thrilled with. Yeah, but you have a you have you have a baby, little girl. Mm-hmm. Have mm-hmm. you have a little girl? Yep. Um, and where how's how things starting to move now? What's happening like over the next few years? Um. Well, my my husband, my dad had always told us girls that if our if our husband ever laid a hand on us, he expected us to come home. He did not want us to live in that environment, and he knew that if a man did it once, the chances of him doing it again were better <clears throat> better than not. Yeah. And he had had two sisters who had married uh, alcoholics who were violent, so he had seen the results of that kind of relationship. Wow. Excuse me. He'd also said, or if you're married to a man who becomes a habitual adulterer, which told me Dad understood that somebody could make a mistake once, maybe even twice, but to do it over and over and over with no stopping. He said he didn't expect us to live in that environment either, and it wouldn't be good. So let's just say I ended up back home on both counts, and Cindy was the one who came to get me because after he beat me up that day, Uh. uh, he pulled the phone wires out of the wall and he took my car away and we live very much in the country too far for somebody to walk with a five-week-old baby and and so I wrote a letter to my sisters and I said don't tell daddy but you need to figure out a way to come get me because I you know this happened Uh, and my sister Cindy did and she pretty much kidnapped me (laughs) it was great (laughs) thank god for Cindy Yay, Cindy. She was so brave. She was so brave because he really could be violent. Wow. So. um, And I've had the honor to meet Cindy as well. And and she's she's a she's a tiny little thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes, she is. I can't even imagine. What? But a lion lives right inside of her, and she she will protect those she loves. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Go, Cindy. Go. 
Wow. <clears throat> so, yeah, I don't want to linger on that too much. I mean, it was it was three years of my life. I learned a lot about what it is to be emotionally and then physically abused. Yeah. And I'm more than happy to talk to, to women who've been through it and are still getting past it. I was single seven years because I was so afraid of, you know, that making choices like that again. Yeah. I just was really frightened of marriage. But I ended up with a good one. But Daddy... Daddy's career really did escalate, and I ended up uh, as a divorced single mama selling tickets to the success rallies and being involved in that way years ago, making presentations to companies so I could sell group tickets and that sort of thing. For your dad's seminars. Yeah, for the success. I mean, it wasn't, I wasn't working for Dad. I was working for the people who sold the seminars at that point. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then only when they were doing the Dallas market. I didn't travel with them because I had a little girl. Yeah, right, right. right. Wow, okay. so, you were, so you got into selling. Yes, yes. Wow. Daddy started me in sales when I was about nine, Amway, door to door. He gave me the product catalog and said to go knock on the doors and see if anybody <laughs> wanted to order. Yes. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Yes. And did you did you, did you sell anything? Some stuff. I did. Good. I did. Good. I think he was just he really enjoyed, you know, trying to get us into his field and yeah. for years when he would go and speak, he would speak to all these different wonderful networking companies and he would come back and he would sign one of us up to get the products because (laughs) he couldn't join anything because he spoke for everybody. Right. And, uh, my sister Cindy was enlisted to get certain products and I was enlisted (laughs) to get certain products. And then he signed me up a couple of them because he was so sure I could do it. He signed me up for Mary with Mary Kay and I got this huge kit of everything. Yeah. And I'm not, I never was really into makeup. I wore it, but it wasn't like I wasn't fascinated like some some gals are. Yeah. And I never I never got started with Mary Kay because it just wasn't my thing. And then he signed me up for Mary Crowley uh home interiors interior decorating. And if I am anything, it is definitely not a decorator. <laughs> so I had a couple of couple of shows with that but to, ken here's the funniest one he spoke for penny rich bras custom fitted bras and he signed me up for that <laughs> and sent me to a conference where they trained me how to fit them and how to sell them and i was come on are you kidding me eight, 18 years old oh my I, lord yeah wow but here's the good thing on that um i got comfortable helping women under all circumstances. And when I worked ladies retail that year between what should have been my senior year, I ended up having lots of clients who had had mastectomies. And because I was comfortable helping, they were comfortable. And it ended up being a real gift that I had learned, you know, had been forced to be that intimately involved with helping people. And it was a blessing. You know, know I I got it. There's a friend of mine and she's a client of mine also. You're a client of mine. Um, But this this lady, her name is Sherry Matthews. I have to connect you all. She she lives over in um, in Austin and and she has she developed a clothing line for women. She's a breast cancer survivor. And she developed a clothing line for women who are going through mastectomy surgery. And Great. she's amazing. You, y'all would love each other. So, <clears throat> so, um, so here, you're, okay, so you're in that seven year span between when you, you went back to, 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 um, to your dad's house, your mom and dad's house, to yeah. when you met your 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 the good husband. <laughs> we'll just we'll call him the good <laughs> husband. Um, you were you were selling. You were like. It sounds like you started really trying to find your stride, so to speak. I did uh, the first 
few years, I did everything I could in my power can to work hours that would make me available to my daughter because she was she was literally three months old when I left her dad. Right. And so I wanted to be with her as much as possible. In those first few years, I waited tables at an upscale steakhouse, old San Francisco steakhouse in Dallas. Okay. And I only had to work at night. Started at 5 and was generally done by 9 on uh, Monday through, well, actually Sunday through Thursday if I worked those days. Yeah. Friday and Saturday nights, I didn't get through till about midnight. But I made uh, far better money with no college education doing that than I could have at anything else at that age. Right. So it was perfect because Amy was only uh, awake a few hours after I dropped her off. And I would, the babysitter I had... She was right near the restaurant, and she had one of those um, locks or doors that had the buttons, and you could push in the code and let yourself in. So I would, when I was finished, go get her out of the crib and put her in the car and have her car seat laid back, and she never woke up. She would wake up every morning in her bed and never know that I had moved her. But So I was only really not seeing her a few hours a day, and that was my goal. That was wow. my goal. Wow. And then eventually I ended up uh, being a leasing agent at an apartment complex. Then they asked if I'd be assistant manager, and ultimately I became manager, and I quit the restaurant job. And then I got involved in some, some other things, and then I had a made a devastating choice in my life. And that choice, uh, I lost the business I'd built. I I had never been depressed in my life, and because I've been raised by such a positive person in an environment where your attitude was your choice, I knew that, and right. I kept wondering, well, why can't I just make myself happy and choose to be happy? But I had uh, chosen to have an abortion, mm. and I didn't tell anybody. Mm. Didn't tell Mm-mm. anybody. At that time, Daddy was teaching the sanctuary class at First Baptist in Dallas, the biggest Baptist church in the world, under Dr. W.A. Criswell. Wow. It's not the biggest now, but it was then. And, you know, I adored Daddy, and I didn't want to bring shame on him, and his reputation was great, and I just didn't want people to to, to know, and, and that was had a lot to do. Plus, I was already struggling as a single mom to make the ends meet. My yeah. ex-husband didn't pay child support with any, any, well, just a few times. And so I, I couldn't imagine how I would support another child. And I knew, I mean, that was a, I barely knew the guy. And that had been a longstanding problem since I'd gotten involved in the long, wrong crowd in, right, as, right. in junior high. I had no self-worth, really, none, and it was, uh, that's when I started keeping vodka under my kitchen sink, and I I had no idea that I was self-medicating, because abortion was legal, and I had grown up going to the county hospital, getting birth control, yeah. Part of part of and I skipped this part, part of me getting involved with that group was a young man told me they, they would let me be their friend, but I would have to go through an initiation. And I was to meet him in a field, and that's where I lost my virginity, just shy of 14. Oh, my and God. I even, yeah, I didn't even know what virginity was, Ken. Wow. But, um, yeah. So that just started me off on a, in a really, really uh, bad place. Bad place. No was something I practiced saying, and... And I somehow always felt obligated, you know, people pleaser, just at any rate. So that happened, and I totally denied. I was in total denial that that I had a problem with it. Most people really don't think about the babies. They don't. You just go, and you do what you think you have to do. And then about 18 months later, I got pregnant again. And did the same thing, only a lot faster. And wow. it was just, everything was compounded at that point. And then I met my husband, and I told him that I'd made those choices, and he didn't have a problem with it. We got married, and I found out later, <laughs> a big part of the attraction was, 
I could keep up with him drinking, and he could afford to buy me as many drinks as I wanted. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. about two and a half years in, um, I'd had enough because he was passing out too early, and I was raising all of our kids, his, his three and my one. And I just, I'd had it. I ended up, I'll do the short route, I ended up going to a 12-step program for friends and family of alcoholics, and they told me I needed to turn him over the care of God. There was nothing I could do about him. <laughs> I had already been told that normal women don't marry drunks, and, and uh, so I was not. I needed help, and when I got there, they told me the same thing. You need to quit worrying about your husband and start worrying about you, and you need to learn how to detach with love and all this all new language for me. Right. But I went home with hope, and he said, so what would you do, talk about your all your drunk husbands? And I said, no, they told me there's nothing I can do. You're the only one who can change that. You're the only one who can choose to get sober. And they said not to worry about you, just to turn you over to the care of God, and that um, I needed to work on me because I'm really messed up. And they made me promise not to divorce you. <laughs> because they said I would just go and marry the same kind of guy again. Right. So, yeah. And he was just stunned. Very, very <laughs> stunned. And the next morning, I worked at the racetrack then, and I had gone to work. And he went to work, but his offices happened to be uh, above the local 12-step program there in town. And he went downstairs oh my God. for a new meeting. And the guy who was speaking at the open speaker meeting that day turned out to be a man he knew. And he was telling a story that my husband had been a part of. Oh, my Because gosh. the man was a salesman with his father at Dickey's. And they had gone deer hunting many seasons together. And afterwards, my husband went up to the front and said, do you remember me? And he said, Jim Norman. <laughs> and he said, is this your group? He said, I don't know. And the guy said, uh, is this your first time? He said, yeah. So they had a talk, and it was that man's first time to ever tell his story. It was one year anniversary, and his sponsor had made him go and speak that day. Wow. So he took him outside and gave him his big book, and my husband never drank again. I lost him three and a half years ago to lung cancer, and he died sober. Wow. And it was 29 years, and he told me in the last few weeks before he died, he said, the only thing I really hate, is that I'm not going to get that 30-year chip, and that was a really cool one. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> had the three X's, you know? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so, yes, wow. about a month after that, I figured out I was visiting the wrong group of people, and I switched over and joined a 12-step program for alcoholics. And, wow. And I got so. So I've been sober since May 28th of 1986. Wow. And that's, yeah. And then the journey with God really began, and the spiritual yeah. healing, emotional healing, and and I got a lot of help, a lot of counseling, and found out I didn't even know what sadness. I never, I never knew. He, the counselor, said you're you're just sad. I'm like what is sad? Wow. You know, I had never really focused on sad because I knew I could choose to have a different feeling, but I didn't understand how depression worked or that you could get so low and stay so low so long that your body even quit making serotonin or any of the other feel-good hormones. And wow. uh, it was quite a journey back to real, happy, healthy wholeness. Wow. But it's good. It's all good, yeah. It's all good now, isn't it? Yeah. So, so yeah. you know, like, Wow. Holy crap, I don't even know what to say about most of that. I mean, you know, and everybody on here, most of y'all know that, that, that I'm a, I'm a recovered alcoholic myself and, and actually have my coin right there. I have 16, 16 years sober and by the grace of God. And, and I, I went to that same, same program for many, many, many years. Um, so when, when you, you know, I, I remember, I remember hearing 
I remember here, and 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 just forgive me, and I'm not going to say it uh, a curse word, but I will say I remember sitting because I, I went to a treatment facility and then got sober for six months and thought I had it all figured out and 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 went back <laughs> out for a while and uh, just building up my story a little more and and so um, and then I ended up getting sober at the age of 34, but but I I, I um, I remember sitting in that treatment center and somebody saying, look, because everybody's sitting around there complaining about how terrible life is and everything, right? And, 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 and I'm, I'm sitting there probably listening to Zig Ziglar tapes while they're all complaining. But, but I'm sitting there and this guy says, look, the word sober, S-O-B-E-R, is an acronym and it stands for son of a everything's real. Like, right? Because all of a sudden you take away all that anesthesia and you got to deal with feelings for the first time ever. And, yeah. it, and it sucks. It's not easy. It's very, very yeah. difficult to do. Yep. Very Ken, difficult. and I want, I want to tell you that even, even though, you know, it took me about a year to get to where I was comfortable not having a drink when I felt fear and anxiety and, you know, and I just had to keep running to my group for, uh, yeah. just, you know, for support, so I wouldn't pick that drink up. Yeah. But after a year, that compulsion went away for me. My husband, yeah. thankfully, was delivered immediately, and I, I still was struggling, and I didn't know why for a lot of years. Not with the alcohol, but just kind of generally with life. And ultimately, I found out that it, I, I had, even though I understood spiritually, I was forgiven for the abortions, I had never forgiven myself because mm. I just believed it was unforgivable because it was permanent. There's no going back on that. Right. And right. it wasn't until I got, I went through post-abortion um, recovery program at Pregnancy Resource Center that helped walk me through that journey and how somebody could come to the place where they'd make that choice that I got total healing from that. And I, I want to say it here because there's so many women, like one in three, and men, yeah. one in three, who've experienced it or been a part of it, and they don't know that there are um, there there are classes you can go to that are totally confidential to get the help that you need to heal from that from that choice and to be set free. So wow. that's. That is, I've been, God has put me in a place to go speak at pregnancy resource centers. A lot of people who volunteer at those have had abortions that are still secrets. And, you know, you know, we're as sick as our secrets. We truly are. And once you don't have any, you are set free yep. to not just be you, but to be available to help others who've made the same choices you've made. Yeah. And it's a blessing to be there for those people who are still suffering. It's a, it's a joy. I, I, I that that's that's so incredible. I, I love that. I love that saying. By the way, we're only as sick as our secrets. I love that. Changed my life because I remember. I mean, look, I had been through. I I was court ordered to go to AA at twelve years old. So like, I I went. I. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I was in and out for many, many, many years. And finally, at 34, it took. But so I had done step the I had done the three step waltz, step one, two yeah. and three, and, and then go back out before I got to four. Well, in, you know, my my uh, somebody knew I needed to get to a fourth step, which is where you come clean. Right. Yeah. And 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 I'm telling you, like, <laughs> God knew what he was doing. He put the right person in my life because I got it all out. And, and that's what I, I truly believe that's. And it, it doesn't have to be just somebody that's an alcoholic. It can be somebody that's just living and can't figure it yes. out and doesn't know why everything keeps going wrong. Mm -hmm. Right. That's right. That's it could right. be yes. somebody that had an abortion. It could be somebody that's a a drug addict, or somebody that's an alcoholic, or somebody that's you know just stuck and everything keeps sexually up abused. Right, yeah. right, mm -hmm. right. But once you start going through the process of, of admitting what happened, admitting what you did, what happened to you, and then seeking forgiveness, life becomes mm -hmm. magical. It really does. Yeah. 
You become free from all of that. That's right. That's right. So, well, I, go ahead. I, I, well, I wonder. So, did you ever graduate from college? We never. No, okay. I went back. I went back when I was thirty. Okay. I had been managing a thoroughbred racehorse stable, and that year I had three, three pretty exciting little horse accidents. Nothing big, broken finger, sprained ankle, but horses going down with me and that sort of thing. And I had no life ins- no no health insurance. At the time, Jim and I were married. We had lost everything we had. After we got sober, the savings and loan debacle came. The oil industry fell apart. We were in property management, thousands of units of apartments we managed. Mm. And the oil folks took the management back because they didn't want to pay, you know, the management fees. And so we were in a pickle. And I was at the track for three years because I loved horses, couldn't afford one of my own. And then those accidents happened, and I thought, this is silly. Yeah. Uh, if I get really hurt, it's going to be really bad. And I went back to college. Okay. And I did, you know, I was doing English was uh, an interest of mine, but I was really interested in the medical field. And I went for, oh, a couple of, probably three or four semesters. And then I had won the Guidepost Writers Workshop. Guidepost is that little non-denominational spiritual magazine that uh, Dr. Norman Vincent Peale and his wife put together over 50 years ago. Right. And biannually, they have a, a retreat for a week for 15 people who win the contest to go and learn how to write their style. Mm. And when I came back from that, Dad asked me how it went. And one of the little asides that I had learned there was that I had a natural aptitude for editing. I could always tell what was wrong with the story. And Dad said, well, that's interesting. I happen to need an editor. And that's when I became his editor. Wow. And I was his editor for 20 years. Yeah. 20 years. Years. Wow. And, and I still edit his, his books. If we do anything to those, I edit those. Wow. Because that's Dad's. We want to be sure it's what he would say and how he would do it. So I still do his books when we re-up them or, you know, bring them up to date, that sort of thing. Yeah. That's incredible. That's absolutely incredible. And you traveled with him too, right? Yes. After he fell and had his head injury, which resulted in short-term memory loss, I was on the road interviewing him at the big Get Motivated, you know, with Colin Powell and Rudy Giuliani and all those people from city to city. We did that four years. Wow. And by the time he quit doing that, I was being invited to speak because I'd been out so many times with yeah. him. People were familiar with me. And and I had stepped in and done talks he couldn't do anymore, like for hospice and ministry-type things. Yeah. And had gotten real comfortable with it. But, yeah, so I'm an accidental speaker, too. (laughs) I never never thought about being one or even wanting to be one. But, Ken, I had a preacher who years ago explained to me that I didn't have to worry about my purpose. I didn't have to go take all kinds of tests to figure it out. All I had to do was be willing, available, and obedient to do that thing that he put in front of me. And he said, Julie, don't you think your God is big enough to put right in front of you the very thing that he would have you do? Wow. And I, yeah. And I agreed with him that he was. And so today, I'm very much aware of everything that comes in front of me. And because of it, I've had opportunities that I would have totally dismissed had I not believed that he's big enough to put it in front of me. Wow. And it's usually not something I would even think I would be good at, Ken, because I think he likes for us to do things that it's pretty obvious. We have to get our strength and power from him, and he gets the credit. Wow. (laughs) I love that. Absolutely love it. Wow. I believe it with all my heart. So you... you, um, I mean, good Lord. So... and, and, And... you know, I, I, I've already expressed 
this to you, but I know that your your mother recently passed away just a couple couple months ago. Um, and you know, I'm very, very sorry, as you know, for your loss. Um, and, and you, I mean, I I just got to tell people, like, if they don't already know, (laughs) like just listening to you, like your heart is so good. You have such a good heart and, 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 but like you were emailing me on the day you were putting your mom in hospice care. Like you you sent me Mm -hmm. an email that day. And I was blown away, like, what? Like, this lady just sent me an email while she's gone through all this stuff, and it's just incredible. Like, you're, you're an amazing woman. And, and so, <clears throat> now, I know you're still involved in the Ziegler companies. Yes. Right? Um, yes. What's your, what's your involvement there? What's your role there? Well, I am... Uh, Legally, the vice president of of Ziegler Inc. Mm-hmm. And when I was actually working with Dad, and after before I went out on my own, I was the uh, VP of business development because okay. I, I like I like working with people and bringing in you know whenever we could make something come together. I I really love doing that, yeah. helping people and and connecting with people who we can have a synergy with. But uh, since I went out on my own, I kind of focused on women's ministry and then the Lord's redirecting my, my business back to entrepreneurialism. I've been doing a lot of speaking to business women's groups and entrepreneurial groups, yeah. male and female. So that's a whole, are you getting a feedback all of a sudden? No, I'm not. Are you? Okay. I just for a second I did. Yeah, that could okay. be. That's the the internet does that once in a while. It's goofy like okay. that. I think it's Big All Brother right. listening in. <laughs> <laughs> could be, could be, but yeah. So with the company, I train there for our Ziegler Legacy Certified Trainers classes, and we have those uh, about four times a year. And people come in, and we teach them how to train three different areas of wow. dad's training. So one's on goal setting, one's on building relationships, and the other one is on uh, self-improvement, becoming your best you. So that these people can – a lot of people teach within their own companies they own. They teach their staff all of those principles we have people who use it uh, in as an extension of their ministries. We have folks who just wanted it for self-improvement. But a lot of people were already training their own stuff and even other people's and added, added dad's materials because of what he meant to them and their training. And we are doing everything we can to keep dad's teachings out there. We do that, and then I also train with Tom and Jason Friend. We do the Ziegler Speakers Institute, where we teach people how to put together the kind of talks that Dad Dad delivered. And if you wow. ever heard him, you understand that everything flows, and it might have a lot of little tentacles that come out, but it all comes back together to that one big thing. So we teach people how to put their talks together. Yeah. Wow. Then we have effective business presentations where we teach people how to present at the front of the room. And that's more just the mechanics of it. But yeah. our Speakers Institute is how to make every talk uh, full of powerful content, meaningful, life changing. That's, a, that's, and, in, that's incredible. And yeah. what? I'm sorry. And interesting. Yeah. <laughs> no sleeping. Well, yeah. you got you got to be interesting. Like, if you're not interesting, you're not going to be a very long-term speaker unless you just have crazy money to put into it. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So, so you, like, you, you're very involved in all of that. I know, like I said, I know you just came off the road literally last night and you called me on your, on my cell phone, um, on your way home from the airport, <laughs> like, like and, and but you're just a, like you're just out there and you're making it happen and and you and I are doing some stuff together. Number one, I'm building building your website, your new website for you. Um, but number two, um, we have something else cooking and we're going to get into that here very very soon. You and I are going to yes. come back on and we're going to 
we're going to talk about what we got going um, because I, and I'm excited about it. And I'm also I, I know that Tom and Cindy are both involved as well. So um, and I'm very like I I'm a part of Team Ziggler in in this whole deal, and I am unbelievably blown away by it. Number one. Um, and, and number two, incredibly grateful. So, um, I mean, and, and we, we, we will, we are going to do another, we're going to do a little webinar or something talking about that. Is that cool? Yeah. You down down with that? That's cool. I'm down with that. And I love our synergy and I'm excited for what we're going to bring to everybody. (laughs) And, um, you know, you say you're honored, Ken, you are, you are such a, uh, warm, kind and loving person is so easy i knew you immediately um we talked i mean i I knew your heart immediately yeah and it was just a great connection and i when that happens i i love it because i like to be involved with the people i enjoy being around yeah yeah i'm i'm with you a thousand percent i'll i'll never forget standing I, I I called I called my wife when when I when I left your your office that day and you and I stood in the parking lot and talked for what another thirty minutes an hour I don't even at know. least it, it 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 went by mm-hmm. and I called my wife and I said I I can't believe I just got hugged by Julie Ziegler probably <laughs> ten times I'll bet like <laughs> and I went to shake Thank your hand when I first met there. you and you said oh get in here I'm a hugger. <laughs> Yeah, I think my mama taught me that. Our actually, Daddy was a big hugger too. Our whole family hugs. We just can't help it. it. It's it's how it it is. I absolutely. Yeah, and I I want to say, I the people that you get to know in this world are just so so exciting to me. And Pam Goodwin is the one who introduced us. Pam is amazing. And yeah, we haven't mentioned, but I I got involved in real estate. Because I always loved real estate. Daddy painted a vision uh, for us when we were children. We'd go look at land, and he would have us stand there, and he'd say, now this is where we're going to build a house, and you girls can put your stable right over there. And I mean, he painted pictures of what things could be for us, and I have never looked at a piece of land that I didn't see what it was going to be or could be, the potential of, of that land. And... Daddy also taught us to see the potential of people in the same way. But Pam Goodwin, uh, I met her because of the real estate connection, uh, or either she actually, I think it was another connection, but because she's involved in commercial real estate, I shared my love of real estate with her, and we've just been really good friends uh, through the years. So I'm grateful to her for introducing me to you, Ken. Uh, I really me am. too. Me too. Amen. I agree. I love Pam. I, I even I love Pam. Look, I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, and I love yeah. Pam so much. I let her take my picture on the Cowboys practice field. <laughs> <laughs> That's love. Uh, anyways, uh, she's amazing. You're absolutely amazing. I, I feel like we could sit here and talk all day long, um, but I don't want to do that. I know you're busy. Um, but, you know, how can, like, you know, there's going to be some people that watch this um, that that hopefully will reach out to you um, and hopefully not overwhelm you, but, but reach out okay. to you. Um, and, and because you, you, you can help a lot of people and, and, uh, and you offered, <laughs> you said, yeah, I did. I did if you're offer. going through it, hit me up. So how, <laughs> how can, how can people follow you? How can they connect with you? Well, I'm on Facebook, uh, Julie Ziegler Norman, yeah. and there are actually two different Julie Ziegler Norman pages. And one I think is personal, but I have a public page that has really inspirational, great, inspiring quotes that you can just check into every day. Also, Ziegler Women is a Facebook page of mine. Yeah. My email is julie at pprtx.com, and that is P is in Paul, P is in Paul, R is in real estate, T. It's in texasx.com. Love it. Yep. Wow. 
And yes, and my website. I'm not going to send them to because I had. We're just getting started on putting it back together. I think all you can do is click on one of my get motivated speeches <laughs> parts parts of it. So that's about it, I think. Yeah. <laughs> for now, it's it's uh, an affair. It's, it's a mess. It's, it's, me it's, it got hacked. I mean, I, I like it's it's hacked. I I I found out what's going on, but like oh good. But but we'll, we're fixing that. But anyway, so so you know, Julie, what are and and I'm gonna, I I we gotta wrap this up. We can't stay on all day. But what what's your um, you know, because like you know, like my wife said after first meeting with you, we she hasn't met you in person, which is a totally different experience than than this. But but um, you know. What is what she said? And she said, you know, you're amazing. Your father, like everybody on planet Earth, just about has heard the name Zig Ziglar. I I would imagine, um, especially if you're in sales of any kind. Um, but so he was unbelievable. But you are amazing in your own right, is what my wife said, and I agree with oh, her. So so, you. what is one of your favorite? You know, if somebody, I, I'm, I want you to give one last bit of, of inspiration because to the person that's still listening and they don't feel like they can get unstuck, this show is about helping people get unstuck. What what can that, what would you say to the person that their their lights are getting shut off tomorrow, maybe they... They they lost their car last week. They they can't figure their business out. They can, you know all everything seems to be going wrong. Yeah. What would you say to that person to help them get over that hump that they have right now? Well, first I think the dad's quote that is most encouraging at those times is failure is an event, not a person. It, it's it's something that happens and then that's over and you've got to move forward. I have had my car repoed out from under me within that first marriage. Literally took me out of the car and left me on the side of the street. Oh Lord. I have had the lights shut out. I've been evicted. All this was during that first marriage. I know what it is to uh, dig in the couch and then go have your 39 cents and buy the biggest potato you can find and then find out it was a seed potato and it's inedible uh. to not be able to feed the dogs. You know, I mean, I've been there. Um, so I, I really do understand those places. And what I know is that things do change and things do get better and you need to let people know that you need help. And I think that's the number one thing. We were made to be interdependent, but we feel ashamed when we can't make things come together and asking for help is so hard but it's so essential we need that just that it could be just twenty dollars will make the difference in somebody getting through to the next right step yeah you know a lot of times it's just it it's asking for help letting people know that you need it and not being ashamed and if you keep ended up in that position because you have an addiction there are some amazing doors that you need to darken because there is hope there is help there is recovery and and it's it's there it's there for the taking but it we have to take the first step towards that towards that make that decision to change our lives because you can't keep doing the same thing and expect anything to change but i will say this i've survived it all and what i know is even though there have been days that i did get hungry it never lasted long, and as long as you keep doing the next right thing, and that is probably asking for help because our society is set up to help. People want to help. Yeah. People are glad to help when they know help is needed. So I would say ask for the help you need and make decisions to do things differently. Really, really focus on what it was that got you in that place in the first place and determine how you're not going to do that again and move forward. Wow. And if you're just flat depressed, go help somebody else. That's it. I, I That's keep it. going. <laughs> I, I, I love that. I, I say that that exact thing right there all the time. Like the fastest way to get out it's it's literally it's scientifically impossible 
for you to remain depressed when you are helping somebody else. There's this, this really famous quote that I've lived my life by for many, many, many years, and it's this. If you help enough other people get what they want out of life, do you want to finish that for me? Well, you can have everything in life you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want. That's it. And and you don't do it with the motive to get what you want. That's right. You you do it because it's the right thing to do. That's right. Yep. That's yeah. right. And that was your dad's quote, in yes. case anybody didn't his know fav- that. His favorite quote. Yeah. Favorite quote. Oh. And I will say this, you... You can get you can get past your past, but you have to go through it to get beyond it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I love it. You have to choose to make it your past I, and not not keep it your present. I love it and and we've got some really 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 incredibly big things happening you and me and Jill and Tom and Cindy and and the whole lot of us and 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 um so all of you watching um, stay tuned because there's some really cool stuff happening here that's that's coming down the pike very very soon. So, Julie, thank you from the bottom of my heart. I, I genuinely I love you. I, I appreciate you coming on and and taking I your time. I, I, you're amazing. Well, thank you. I think you are too. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, listen. Thank you to everyone who shared this out. Thank you for for being on here. All the hearts and the the the, the crying. We got some crying laugh faces. That's good. I like those. That means we <laughs> we got some people laughing. That's what I like. Good. So thank you all for being on here. I'm very grateful. I appreciate the support, Julie. Thank you once again. Thank you, Ken. Have a blessed day. You too. Thank you all. All right. Bye bye. <laughs>